The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit MorningstarDayton.org. Acts chapter 2 this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here. This is week two of our Gather, Grow, and Go series. And uh, we, last week we, we looked at what the mission of our church is. And the mission of our church is to be a safe place for people to find and follow Jesus because it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about the gospel. It's all about new life. It's all about um, being made brand new in him and having eternal life through Jesus. And so we as a church... We want to be those people who it's a safe place for you to come and find Jesus. It's a safe place for us to go and send people out to tell us about Jesus, but also to follow Jesus. And then we looked at, well, what's the purpose? Like, how are we going to get there? And so last week we looked at the word gather. And we said that God created us to live in community. And so this week we're looking at the word grow and understanding that God created us to grow in community. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, in the very beginning, God, when he made man, he says, it's not good that man is alone. And so we see that carry out through all throughout Scripture, that God created us to grow in community. And so um, you don't have to read them. Don't worry about turning there. We're going to get to Acts here in just a little bit. I want to read some passages from the New Testament that kind of show what we're talking about, this idea of of growing. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way unto him that is the head, which is Christ. This idea of growing and, the, and the, the implication here, he's talking to a church and he says, let us grow together. Let us grow up together in Christ. So in other words, there should be no area of our life that Christ has not impacted, that Christ has not affected, that Christ has not touched in our life. It should be completely growing in Christ. And in Colossians chapter 1, he says, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. I, I love this passage. It says, since your faith is flourishing. That really means um, is growing exceedingly. Your faith in God is growing exceedingly, and it says, and because of that, and the love you have for one another is increasing, which actually that word means abounding. It's overflowing. What Paul says here at church at Thessalonica is this, is as as we grow in our faith in God, we naturally grow closer to one another. As we grow in our faith towards, as our faith and our knowledge of God increases, so our love for one another should also increase. What he's saying is they're tied together. They're linked. And so some of us, if we're struggling loving one another in community, if we're struggling with this idea of getting along and and, and growing closer to one another, it really is indicative of there's a struggle in our life and our relationship with God. What Paul says here is that if we're growing in our relationship with Christ, we're also growing in our love for one another in community. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word, so you may grow up in your salvation. We're talking about growing in community. And here's where we get this from. The gather, grow, and go. It's better than just some signs we have out there in our, in our lobby. We actually get that from the Great Commission. The last words that Jesus spoke on this earth were, Go into all the world and make disciples. 
teaching them everything that I have taught you. And, and he's like, so here's the deal. He says, go and make disciples. So teach people, make disciples, introduce them to the Savior. And then we get it from the great commandment, which is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so this idea of growing in community, we can't love our neighbor as ourselves if we're not living in community together. And we can't love our neighbor as ourselves if we're not growing in community together. And we can't grow if we're not fulfilling the great commission to go and make disciples and teach them. So look in Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you have your Bibles. If not, we have it up on the screen. Just to remind us where we were at last week. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they, talking about those thousands of believers that came to know Jesus in one day, it says they devoted themselves, continue without fail, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. That's what we talked about last week. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. And now all the believers were together. It means they were unified. And they held all things in common. Verse 46 says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. And they broke bread from house to house. And they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their numbers those who are being saved. So in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves. They continue without fail in the apostles' teaching. Together. In community. And then in Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, just a couple chapters later, you can just turn over a couple pages it says every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Acts chapter 20 and verse 20, Paul says, You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testify to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In just a few short verses in Acts, what we see is that they gathered in a large group to be taught and they split up into different houses. We would call them small groups because they're smaller than the large group they were in. And they broke down that teaching and went even deeper with one another. This idea of growing in community. Manny and I raising three boys, we, we are an expert in things not to do, okay? <laughs> A lot of you as parents, you can probably relate to that. You're experts in what not to do in raising kids. One thing we are experts in is the knowledge that they eat everything they can find, okay, nonstop. We feed them nonstop, three, day, three times a day, sometimes more than three times a day, seven days a week, they eat constantly, okay. And so we understand that um, everything. And what they're doing, obviously they're growing. And so they're eating to sustain their life. Right? You need that to survive. But they're also eating, and the nutrients they take in, their body takes those nutrients, converts it to energy, and sends it to their cells and their muscles and their bones so they can grow. And they're doing a lot of growing, okay, because they're doing a lot of eating. But what if, what if we went to our boys today and said, okay, guys, here's the deal. We're going to feed you one day a week, and only for 30 minutes during that day can you eat anything, okay? That's it. So we'll pick whatever your favorite day of the week is and we'll let you eat for 30 minutes and that's it, all right? So when that 30 minutes is over, you're done, all right? One, they would probably riot and it would be really bad and ugly, but here's what would happen. Immediately, their bodies would shut down and go into survival mode. Some people call it starvation mode. 
And here's what that means. What that means is that one day a week when they're allowed to eat, their body takes everything that they eat and instead of sending nutrients and energy to bones and muscles for growth, it stops doing that. And every nutrient and everything they take in goes to sustain their life. It goes to vital organs. Growth is no longer important at that point. It's just to stay alive. And so everything they take in just goes to help keep them alive. And, and so here's the deal. What it does is it would stunt their growth. So if they're meant to be six foot three inches tall like dad, and we started this today and said, hey, from this point forward, we're not going to feed you except for one day a week for 30 minutes a day. What would happen is their bodies would stop growing. And they're not going to be six foot three. In fact, more than likely, they'll stop wherever they're at now because their bodies are going to be like, we just got to stay alive. And so we got to do everything we can to stay alive. And so here's the deal. You're like, where are you going with this? You're not feeding your kids. I promise I'm feeding my kids. But here's what I'm saying. You and I do this to ourselves spiritually. We come to church, and some of us, we're very faithful to church. We're here all the time. You're here every Sunday, like without fail. You have your seat. You have your spot. You're going to be there. In fact, you're not going to move from your spot because that's your spot. And you're going to be right there, and you'll be here every week for 30 minutes to an hour. And we allow ourselves to be spiritually fed for 30 minutes to an hour, and then that's it. And you know what that really results in? Here's what it means. It means we have a lot of spiritually stunted and God-starved Christians in our churches. That we'll soak it up on Sunday. That's the only time we gather in community. That's the only time we dive into God's word as a group. That's it. Like this is the only time we have this growing in community idea. God created us to grow in community. Which means we have to do something other than just gather once a week. In a large setting, we're really honestly in here, there's no accountability. There's no follow through in here. And don't get me wrong, this is very important. We talked about like gathering is super important. Corporately, we gather together to worship together, to encourage each other. It helps us stay on mission for what God called us to do. It helps us, gives us an opportunity to share the gospel in a large setting. And it helps our community be able to come in and see our community in action. But there has to be more because otherwise we're just starving ourselves. And as silly as it sounds for me to say, hey, I'm going to feed my boys once a week for 30 minutes a week, that sounds really silly and really out there, but that's what we do to ourselves spiritually. When it comes to our spiritual growth, there's a lot of us that are, we think we're meant to travel this journey alone. But we get, end up being isolated and lonely. And then we get frustrated at God. Because God starts to feel really far away. And God really starts to feel out of touch with who we are. And we don't understand. We can't put our finger on it because we think, well, I'm at church every Sunday. And we don't even put the two together that we're not really growing in community. So church, it's time for us to grow in community because church for an hour is not enough. There's no accountability. There's no follow-up. It's easier in this big environment to be challenged by the preaching of the word of God but never change. Because, I, I, look, we can, we can open God's word and we can proclaim it. We can preach it. And you can be like, man, God is tugging on my heart. God is working in my life about something. But the problem in this large setting is you can leave and you'll never tell anybody about it. And that convicting, that working that God's doing in your heart, it leaves you as soon as you leave those doors. 
life happens and other stuff comes up and you're like, okay, I'm just too busy. And what happens is we're not challenged to be pushed and complete what God moved in our heart about to begin with. And that's why this church in Acts was so on fire. They gathered in this large group at the temple, but then they went back to each other's homes to have what we talked about last week, that fellowship, that koinonia. They went deeper with that. They were able to break down the apostles' teaching and go deeper with it. And in that smaller group, they couldn't get lost in the crowd. In that smaller group, they couldn't fall through the cracks. And this scares a lot of us. We don't like, in fact, a lot of us like to fall through the cracks. A lot of us like to get lost in the crowd because it's, it's not as hard on us when God really works in our life. But now when Christ and his teaching becomes more real and more personal, and now the talk from the preacher takes root and in this smaller group environment, it gets watered and it gets challenged and we get reminded of it, that's when real life change happens. Some of us, if we were honest, we'd say, man, I'm in the same spot in my spiritual journey that I was when I was saved 10, 20, 30 years ago. Like I haven't really gone deeper. I mean, I'm faithful to church. You might even read your Bible. You might even do all the things you know that you're supposed to do. But when we're not gathering in community to keep each other accountable, to grow one another, to challenge each other, to go deeper and deeper, what happens is we stunt our growth spiritually. And there might be some of us, and look, this isn't a put down for anybody, but there might be some of us that maybe you've been saved for 30 years. Maybe you've been a member of this church since it was founded. But if you were to take an overview snapshot of your spiritual life, it would be in the same spot that it was when you got saved. And what we just read from those passages in Ephesians and in Colossians and in Peter, God's not okay with that. Because we're called out and we're commanded to continue to grow in Christ. Staying stationary is not an option for believers. It's, it's not even on the table. Like we're not, we shouldn't be okay with that. But that's why we have small groups. And in our church we call them grow groups. They can call them whatever you want, okay? The idea is meeting outside of these walls, outside of this larger context. And so some of you, I know what you're thinking right now. Was this even biblical, okay? Like, is this just something really cool? Is this just a new fad that we're just starting up because all the churches are going to small groups? One, we've already had small groups, but we just read and saw how the early church operated. So this is not something that I came up with. And as, as any author who would want you to believe they came up with this idea, this has been around since the beginning, okay? This is how church was done. How awesome that must have been to be a part of that early church in Jerusalem. And this is just how my mind works, okay? And, and they're meeting in that temple complex and they're hearing Peter or John or James or one of these other disciples teaching and preaching to this large crowd. And there's thousands of new believers here because remember there was 3,000 of them added in one day. And so now they meet in this temple complex every day and they hear this amazing talk from guys who saw Jesus, who hung out with them. And here's, what it, here's what, how special this was. You had regular people who were part of this crowd and how cool that must have been that after they got done preaching to have James walk by you and go, hey, this is how my mind works. Hey, John, listen, we're going over to Thomas's house. We're gonna go unpack this, go talk about this. You wanna come along? How awesome that must have been to be invited to go, go deeper in the teaching of the apostles and how hungry I would have been and I'm hoping everybody else would have been to be a part of that. Dude, to be invited to do that 
or to say in that large crowd for me to be one of the people to say, hey, listen, there's a group of us here. Hey, come over to my house. I got some food. Let's go talk about what Peter just talked about. Let's go look about how that can apply to our lives like right now because we can't really do this in this large crowd. How amazing that must have been to have these giants of the faith walk by and say, hey, I'm gonna go hang out with you. Let's go to your house. And tomorrow, because we do this every day, I'm gonna go to these people's houses. And the next day, because we do this every day, I'm gonna go to this group of people's houses. And people were on fire and they were so excited because they were doing community together and they were growing in community. It's exactly how it was set up. But not only in the early church, Jesus even used this small group approach during his earthly ministry. Remember the great commission is to go and make disciples. Well, if we want to learn how to make disciples, should we go to Jesus and figure out maybe how he did it? So he's a good person to follow, right, Jesus? At least shake your head if you're tracking me this morning, church. Jesus, yes, that's good. All right, so, so here's what he did. Like He said, go and make disciples. Here's how Jesus made disciples. He had, obviously, he would go somewhere and preach, and thousands of people would just show up, right, because he was going to feed them or something like that. But apart from that, he had about 100 followers that went just about everywhere he went. They just kind of... This glob of people, just kind of wherever Jesus was, there's about 100 or so people would always kind of be there. But out of that 100 people, he had his 12. Jesus had his small group. See, he could preach to the masses, but even Jesus said, I can make disciples of a few. So Jesus took these 12 and he did life with them. And I know some of like, well, what does it mean to do life? You know what it means? He hung out with them every day. They slept out under the stars together. They ate, every, ate together everywhere they went. They traveled together. Whatever they was doing, these guys were with them. And he just poured his life into them. But even out of the 12, Jesus had three. He had Peter, James, and John. That It wasn't that he was playing favorites. It's just that he said, I'm going to go even deeper with these guys. I'm going to develop. I'm going to pour into these guys even more. And so here's, here's the idea we get. So in, in, our, in our small groups, the idea is to have a group of about 12 to 15 people that you can share life with and grow in community outside of this building. But what happens is when you do this and you get involved in a small group or a grow group, you're naturally going to be drawn to about two, three, maybe four people in that group out of 12 or 15. And you're just going to form some deep relationships with them. You're going to experience what it means to have real koinonia, real fellowship. And you're going to start doing stuff with that group even outside a small group. And then the next semester when you split up and do a different small group, you're going to find three or four more other people that you're going to go deep with and you're going to form real fellowship with. And we have three semesters of small groups a year. And so technically at the end of a year, you could now have developed up six people that now you know more than you've ever known before that you've prayed for, you've cried with, you've laughed with, you've rejoiced, you've shared life, you've grown together, and it just gets better. Because typically we all kind of sit in the same place in here, don't we? Here's the deal. This group, I want you guys to look all the way over here to this group over here. Everybody look over there. This group, you guys all look because they're looking at you. It just makes it awkward, okay? You guys in the middle, sorry, you're just kind of stuck in the middle, all right? But here's the deal. Chances are, even though we're not a mega church, chances are... You guys don't know everybody over here, do you? You guys don't know the names of everybody over here. You guys in the middle, you don't know the names of everybody in your own group, right? So when do we start being the communities that God called us to be? We can't do certain things in this large group that Jesus calls us to do. 
we can only go so deep in here. We can only challenge so much in here, but what if there was a way to go outside of these walls and go even deeper and challenge each other even more and grow up in Christ even more? There's a place for this large gathering. There's a place for corporate worship. It challenges and encourages us. It provides opportunities for us to share the gospel on a large scale, but God created us to grow in community. And sometimes growing comes with growing pains. Being pushed, being challenged, being, having people lean into your relationship that we talked about last week sometimes is uncomfortable. But this is what helps us move from just surviving to thriving. There's a pastor, and this pastor says this. He says, it is in small groups that people can get close enough to know each other. That personal growth does not happen in isolation. He says, we live in an increasingly fragmented and disconnected world. Even though social media supposedly has made our world seem more connected, the reality is that um, people have fewer close relationships now than we have ever had before in history. Social media is a great tool. And having these cell phones is a great tool. It's a great asset. But what we've allowed it to do for us is we allow it to expand our friends But as we've expanded our reach of friends, we've also gone shallower with them. We stretch out. I mean, we know people. We're connected to people in Australia and New Zealand. We're connected to people um, in Washington State and Florida. But how many of those people that you even have on your friends list or your contacts are you really deep with? And so in this really connected world, we have actually become less connected with one another. We have people who don't even know how to have a conversation with anybody anymore. We can't talk or interact with one another anymore. And that's not how God created the church to be. It's much easier and more convenient to stay on the surface with our relationships. But when we take the risk of being authentic with a small group of people, we experience God's grace and his love in a way we never have before. And it leads to freedom and transformation. So why join a grow group? Why get involved in a community and grow outside of these walls? I'm going to give you some words this morning. And I have nine words because it's better than saying I have nine points because most of you would tune me out if I said I had nine points, right? And we're going to fly through them. Don't worry. We're not going to be here super long. But I, I, want, these, I want you to get these. And maybe if you have something to write with, I want you to write the word down. Because we don't just have grow groups just to have another meeting with our church. There's a reason for it. Number one is this, Community. Why do I need to join a small group or a grow group? Well, community. Small groups act more more like community than larger groups do. You can interact with one another. We can relate to one another on that smaller scale than we ever could in here. In fact, the larger the group is, usually the less like community it feels. You know why? Because right now, you're not talking to you guys, and you guys aren't talking to you guys. You know what you're doing? You're listening to me ramble on, okay? But we want to grow in community. We need to be a part of a community. The second word is this, is friendships. Friendships. Small groups deliver deeper friendships that double as accountability. Because when people get to know you, the real you, not the front we all try to put on, but the real you, life becomes more transparent. And others in that group start to be able to read you. They, they know when you're struggling. They know when you're hurting. They know when you're lonely. And they're able to react to that. Whereas in here, we just kind of limit ourselves to, hey, how you doing? Did you have a good week? Oh, good to see you. How's the job going? And that's pretty much as deep as we go. But in a smaller group, 
those conversations, they just tend to go deeper. And friendships start to get created. The small group atmosphere is really ready-made for building friendships and relationships. People talk more in smaller groups of people. The relationships formed and relationships that are formed outside of these walls, usually in smaller groups, they endure and strengthen over time. The third word is this, relational. Relational. Do you know you can't have a conversation with 600 people? <laughs> you can't have a conversation with 60 people. Generally, the, the group that gets larger than about 15 to 20 people usually stop talking at that point. You don't need a lot of friends in life, but you do need a few good ones. And sometimes I hear people say this, well, I don't, I don't want my church to get too big because then I won't know anybody. I've actually heard somebody say, I don't want our church to grow too much because I, I won't know anybody then. Well, if that's the case, let me just, I'm going to lovingly tell you, what you might want to do is go join a church of less than 60 people because statistics show us that the average person only knows 67 people. So if you only want to be in a church where you know everybody, you better go real small. <laughs> and then when they grow to about 70, you got to find another church. Because <laughs> you can only know about 67 people anyway at a time. You don't have to know everyone in the church as long as you know someone in the church. If you were to miss Sunday morning in here, there would be a couple people who notice you're gone. If you're like really close friends with them. But if you're in a small group and you miss, not only, you notice, not only do people notice that you're not there, but they miss you. There's a lot deeper accountability, but a lot deeper relational part where they can reach out. Even the largest congregations can seem small when your members are in small groups. The fourth word is this, flexible. Flexible. This is so cool because your small group doesn't have to meet in church. It doesn't have to meet in somebody's house. You can meet in Bill's Donuts. You can meet in Starbucks, which would probably be good. Probably be good to bring some Jesus to Starbucks, right? But you can, you can meet anywhere. You can go to Texas Roadhouse. You can meet in a park. It's flexible. You don't need a building. You don't even need a house. You just need a group of people and go meet with them. Jesus says in Matthew 18, where two or more of you gathered in my name, I'm right there in the middle of you. The fifth word is this. It's interactive. It's interactive. You can learn in a small group, you can ask questions, you can make yourself more vulnerable, and you just can't do that in sermons. Right? There's, there's no feedback here. There's no conversation on here. There's no questions being asked. In fact, if you raise your hand for a question, I'm not going to call on you, okay, because it throws me all off, all right? So, but in a small group, we have a chance to ask questions. We have a chance to go deeper with the sermon. We have a chance to go deeper in the Word of God and get to know one another, but it's interactive. You can speak. You can, you can engage one another in that communication in one another's lives. The sixth word is this, needs. The needs of people. In your small group, in your grow group, you'll recognize when someone's struggling financially You'll recognize when someone's struggling emotionally, spiritually, socially. You'll recognize when they're struggling with their job or there's some things with their family. You recognize this. And then what happens is, is we're able to meet each other's needs better than we could ever do in the larger group setting here for an hour. The next word is that chance to live out. To live out. Small groups provide a way for Christians to live out their faith instead of just coming and hearing a message. Look, 
I got new, this might shock some of you, but your call to new life in Jesus Christ and your salvation, Jesus never meant for the end all of that would be for you to come and listen to somebody talk for 30 minutes. We need more than that. If Sunday morning is for listening, then the rest of the week is for living. If Sunday morning is for listening to the word of God, then the rest of the week is for living the word of God. What I love about this small group is it takes church beyond Sunday. You see, our, our community, people who don't know Jesus, they know church members go to church on Sunday. You know what they're not used to seeing? Church members live out the word of God in a group of believers outside of these walls. They see this as this little club that meets together once a week and they, and they leave and then they go eat and then they go through the rest of their week and they, next Sunday they're right back there. But what kind of impact could Morningstar have in our community if they didn't just see our members gathering together at church on Sunday, but saw our members when they leave here go gather in community outside of here to live in community but also to grow in community together. That's where the power comes from. The next thing is this, is prayer. Prayer. Small groups are able to participate and focus prayer for one another. Not the, the typical, dear Lord, be with us. Thank you for today. Thank you for my family. Watch over us, protect us, amen. Like we're talking, you have a chance to go deeper. Prayer cannot be overrated, but it is often underpracticed. And when we gather in small groups, we're able to pray intentionally. We're able to pray what I like to call um, uh, intelligently. Because I, now I know what you're struggling with. I know your needs. I know, man, what, what you're needing God to do in your life. And I can pray specifically for that. And I can pray for God to show up in a big way in that very area of your life. And a small group makes a great place for a prayer meeting. In fact, do you realize this before we get to the last word? you realize that sometimes in our grow groups, you might not even get to whatever Bible study you're doing. And you know something? That's okay. That's Okay. Because sometimes somebody might say something that sparks off something else and now you're just going deeper and now you're just engaged in all kinds of different conversations and now you're dealing with the needs of a certain member and praying over them and praying for them. Now you're unpacking the gospel in different ways. So look, it's not all about whatever curriculum we can walk through because sometimes you won't even get to it. It's all about just growing in community outside of these walls. And the last word is this, encouragement. Encouragement. It's easy to slip in and out of this building and out of this room unnoticed. It's not just mega churches that have that problem. Average churches like this, it happens all the time where people come and they don't get involved. They kind of slip in and they kind of sneak out. And people need accountability in their lives and encouragement in their walk with God. And small groups provide a way to better encourage one another and challenge one another and keep each other accountability and accountable. Instead of just being passive listeners on a Sunday, we get to be engaged believers throughout the rest of the week. Not looking for a church of passive listeners. This church could have a thousand people around, but if we're a thousand people of, of passive listeners and not active doers, then we're not a church anyway. So we need to start taking what's in here and taking it out there and doing it together as a community and sharing that life together. So in the back, there's tables right up in the back against that back wall. That has little pieces of paper on it that you can sign up to join one of our grow groups. There's some, there's a handful that meet on Sunday mornings because it's easier for them to meet that way. There's some that meet Sunday nights. 
There's some that meet on Thursday nights. And I brought those in here. Last week they were out there in the foyer, but this week we are pushing grow groups. We want to push that we want to grow in community. Not because it's a new fad, but because it's what the early church did. It's how Jesus modeled it for us. And so we're going to be obedient and good stewards of God's plan for the church. And we're going to step out and quit being just listeners and start being doers outside of here. And we want the people here in our community to see us living life together. And the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If our community just sees us come in here, you know what, they don't think you're any different from them. If all they see is you leave your house on Sunday and come to church and then leave church and go back home, they go to clubs too, they go to meetings too, they go to parties and get-togethers too. So what's the difference? The difference is we get to take what we do in here out there. And it's easier and better to do it together as a group than to ever try to do it alone. Because God created us to live in community and God created us to grow in community. And I'm going to encourage you today, before you leave, is to go back there and pray about it and say, God, would you have me join a small group? Would you have me join a grow group? Am I just being fed 30 minutes to an hour every Sunday and thinking that's enough? Is my spiritual life stunted because this is all I've ever done is be a passive listener? If you're like, I've never been in a girl group before, I've never been in a small group, it's kind of awkward. It is, and it's messy. And bear with us, like we're trying to make it better all the time. But life is messy. What's great is Jesus is amazing. What's great is his grace is so free and his mercy is renewed every day. And we have the power of Christ living in us. So let's do it together as a group of believers. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions about Morningstar Baptist Church, or today's message, visit morningstardayton.org and choose Contact Us.